You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, well, good morning once again. Hey, before we dive into our message this morning, I want to highlight a couple quick things. And the first one is, you heard it on the announcements, it's our worship and prayer night. It's coming this Wednesday. We're doing this monthly. Eventually, we'll do them weekly. But for right now, it's monthly. This is a time, one hour from 6.30 to 7.30. We'll worship and we'll pray corporately together. So it won't just be a worship night. It'll be also be prayer. I'll lead us in corporate prayer. We'll have our prayer partners here to pray with you. We would love to join you. Listen, the first night we did this last month, uh, I think over 80 people showed up, and that was amazing. So listen, we want you here again this Wednesday night at 6.30 to 7.30. One more quick thing is this. I am teaching a class this Tuesday to the women's group. Let me just say this. To all the women of the church, you're invited, okay? This is called the authority of Scripture in an age of skepticism. This is something that's been on my heart for several, several months. And I'm inviting all women, and I'm going to do it for the men in December. I'm going to do it for the women this Tuesday night. Now, listen, it'll be here at the church. You don't have to be a part of the women's group to come. You can just come. There's no obligation to join the women's group, but we want you here. And guess what? We're going to throw in dinner for you as well. So, so, so come physically hungry. Some people are pretty excited. I'm glad. And come spiritually hungry, all right? Because I'm, you're going to eat, and we're going to order some Mexican food, and then I'm going to feed you the Word of God. It's going to be a great night. I would love to see 40, 50 women here in our common area um, learning under God's Word. And again, we'll do this for the men next month. Why are we doing it like this? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one... I wanted to sort of introduce you to our men's and women's group here at church. Number two, we have a lot of young families here. We got a ton of babies, and it's a good problem to have. But I know that if I were, if I were to do this on a Wednesday night and make it open to everybody, half of you wouldn't be able to come because you wouldn't be able to find child care. So here, here's the deal. Ladies, if you want to come, go to RadiantBC.com. Tell your husbands, listen, I'm only going to be gone a couple hours. You, you got this, right? You got this. And... And come and join us, right? And come and join us for worship. But go to RadiantBC.com. Do it on your phone right now. It's okay. I'll give you 45 seconds, and I won't even, I won't even make a big deal about it, all right? Go on your phone, RadiantBC.com. Scroll down. Click on it, the women's group. You'll see it. Register today. It's going to be an amazing night of just getting to know other uh, women who are like-minded and learning and growing under God's word. We'll look at this cultural moment that we're living in, and we'll also discuss how can we approach Scripture wisely and intelligently, and how do we point others to do the same thing. I think we've got we've to be thinking Christians more than ever before, so that's what I'm going to talk about, all right? So join us, women, for that night. Men's, we'll give you more information that's coming up in December. We'll do a men's breakfast for you, bacon, hash browns, eggs. It's going to be awesome, okay? All right. <laughs> so today we are in part number five of our message series, and I'll catch you up if you're new. Don't worry. We have been in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is in the New Testament, and uh, it's really a, a book. It's written by a guy named Luke, and Luke was a, a medical doctor. He was a, a bit of a historian as well, and Luke is writing about the early church, 
the first church. I mean, what was church like some 2,000 years ago? And Luke tells us what that was about. And we're looking at the church, and we're, call, we're calling the series The Spirit-Empowered Church. We're talking about really the Holy Spirit almost every single time that we're together. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it look like to be a church that's led by His Holy Spirit? And last week, if you were here, if you can want to catch up on the podcast or, or YouTube, you can, you can watch on there as well. We looked at Acts 2, and there was Peter. Peter preached this amazing sermon to all these Jewish people from all over the world, the Bible tells us. And his sermon had such a profound impact on these Jewish people that they asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Luke tells us that they were cut to the heart. That's how much of an impact that this message had on them. They knew that this message we know as the gospel, it necessitated a decision then and there. So Peter looks at, the, at, these, at these different individuals and he says, here's what you need to do. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that comes out of Peter's mouth is to what? Is to repent, to repent. And it really just means, it's a fancy word, but it means a heartfelt sorrow for your sin. Not only that, but a decision to renounce it, to say, to say out loud or to, to say, to say uh, under your breath, whatever. I am following Jesus. I choose Jesus. I no longer choose sin. And I reminded our congregation, our church last week, that Jesus is better than my sin. Amen? Jesus is better than your sin. Even though you may love your sin, I may love my sin. Listen, Jesus is always better. Today we're going to look at the end of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at this idea or what Luke shows us as the Spirit-filled church. And Radiant, I want to ask you this question, and we're going to answer it together, so don't worry. But we're going to ask the question, what does a spirit-filled church look like? What does it look like to be a spirit-filled church? Because I know that we can say that, and that sounds a bit Christianese. You know what I mean? It sounds like church talk. So some of us may not know. I don't really know what that means. We're going to actually get down to the nitty-gritty today just a bit. And we're going to answer the question, what does it look like to be a spirit-filled church? If you have a Bible with you, I would love for you to join. I know it's a little dark in here, but I would love for you to join me. We'll have the verses behind me as well, so you can follow along there. Acts is in the New Testament, right? And so you can join me there. Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 40. Now here's what Luke writes. He says this. With many other words, he warned them. He's talking about Peter's sermon, by the way, just to catch you up. With many other words, he warned them. He warned the people there. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. They were water baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let me pause there. This was amazing. So Peter preaches this message the Bible tells us that 3,000 were baptized. They were water baptized 
In other words, at least from what we know, at least 3,000 in one church service, you guys, this is amazing. At least 3,000 people said yes to Jesus, and they decided to follow him, and they decided to take their next step, which was what? To be water baptized. Let's keep going. Verse number 42, Luke writes, he's talking about the, these, these apostles, these, these first Christians. They just said yes to Jesus. Now what do they do? Here's what they do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I'll, I'll talk about what fellowship means in a, in a bit. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared everything, their possessions. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, right? It's hard for, to get some of you to church one day a week, right? Every day, though, the Bible says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That means every single day, more and more people were seeing these Christians, and they said, yes, I want that too. I want to follow Jesus. Let's take a few moments. Let's pray, and then we'll get to the rest of our message. Lord, we love you, and what a great morning it's been, God, with worship, God, with communion, with child dedication. God, we ask right now that you would open blind eyes in this place. God, would you unlock deaf ears? And a crowd this big, God, I know that some, of, some, of, some people in here are not followers, God. So would you soften the hardest of hearts, God. I, I know what it's like to have a hard heart. I know what it's like to put a wall up against God. But Lord, only you can soften the human heart. Only you can get through, God. And so we pray by your supernatural power, by the Spirit of God, flood this place with your presence like you've already have, Lord, and draw people to your beautiful Son, Jesus Christ. God, open our hearts to the words that you speak to us today, and may we have courage to obey them. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' beautiful name, amen. Well, like I said earlier, I, I started with a question. What does a spirit-filled church look like? What does a, a church look like for that matter? I think many of us are trying to figure that out here today. Last week, we had New to Radiant, which is our once-a-month class where we welcome anyone and everyone to learn more about uh, what, what church is like here at Radiant Church, mission, vision, values, our core beliefs, all the good stuff. And, I, and 22 people attended that class. Is that amazing or what? 22 people. Normally, we have about 8 to 10 people every month, new people, come to that class every month. They're wondering more about Radiant. 22 people it's amazing. I met some really cool people that night, people who, who came out of a Catholic background. I came out of a Catholic background, so I know what that's like. Some people who, who left the Baptist church, and, and they're, they're looking 
for just a different expression of worship. I met some people from all different backgrounds. It's amazing who God is bringing to us. But the thing that they all had in common is that they were trying, they're trying to figure out what is the significance of church. Why is church so important? And specifically, Radiant Church. What, what does Radiant Church have to offer me? What, what is it like? A lot of us, you know, uh, we're coming back to church. We haven't been to church in, in a, a few decades. Some of you, maybe you've never even stepped foot in a church. So this whole thing is crazy weird for you. You're like, what? is going on. Y'all are weird. You're, you're crazy, right? But we love you, and we're so glad that you're here this morning. Some of us are trying to figure out, what does church look like post-pandemic, right? Or however the long the pandemic will last, we, we don't know, right? But we're trying to figure out, what does it look like in a post-COVID world? No matter where you're at, no matter what your background is, so many of us are trying to figure out, why is church even a thing? Like, I'm kind of tired of it. I'm sick of it. Whatever your viewpoint is, and that's my next point. You know, some people are diving right into the faith. They're diving right into Christianity. Now, others of you, you're not, <laughs> all right? You're not. You're looking at the faith. You're looking at the church with a more critical eye. You're deconstructing. Some Christians are abandoning their faith, and they're saying, I, I no longer believe Jesus. I, I, I no longer Hold to believe the, the words in Scripture are true. I, I don't think they're true anymore. So many people are, are doing that. And, and praise God for Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 gives us a picture of what church should really be like. The spirit-filled church. Because some of us are wondering, man, you know, Marco, I feel like we've wandered away from what the Bible says church should be. And I would say, yeah, we, we, I'm sure we have. We certainly don't get it right. It's a... It's a bunch of imperfect humans, after all, trying to do this thing called church. So we're trying to go back to what does the Bible say about church. And here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to cover five things or five marks that make a spirit-filled church. Five characteristics of a spirit-filled church. Now, I don't have the time to go through all five today, okay? I'm going to cover two because we had a lot going on in our service today, okay? So if you're like, man, when does IHOP open? Don't worry. It won't be another hour, okay? Listen, we'll cover two today, and we'll get to the other three next week, all right? So we're go we'll cover two today. Five characteristics that make up a spirit-filled church. Let's start with the first one. The first mark, the first thing that makes a spirit-filled church is this, is they were a learning church. They were a learning church. Notice verse a 42, the first part of it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? Well, the apostles were Jewish, so obviously the apostles knew Torah extremely well, which is the Old Testament, which is the first five books. And honestly, it resembles the entire Old Testament, right? The prophets, right? Uh, the writings, right? Um, uh, those things that we find in the Old Testament, and they were also teaching about the revelation of Jesus Christ, how Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies, and how Jesus is a fulfillment of Scripture. So every single person there, they were learning about Jesus, learning how the Old Testament connected to the life of Jesus. They were a learning community, a learning community. You know what this also tells me, though? This also tells me that they were a humble community. 
They were a humble community, right? Because here's the deal, church. Learning and humility go hand in hand, right? Learning and humility go hand in hand. If you're going to learn anything, I don't care what it is, if it's how to fix your toilet, right, because your wife is complaining, or if it's more about the Bible, more about the Christian faith, whatever it might be. If you're going to learn anything, you first must admit that you don't know everything, right? You have to admit that you don't know everything, right? And as disciples, let me just say this. As disciples, we should be committed to never stop learning and growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? We should be committed to this, right? We should have a growth mindset. Anybody never heard of a growth mindset in here? Maybe a few people. Okay, I'm the weird one that knows about it, right? A growth mindset. A growth mindset is essentially the mindset that says, I can do hard things. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch myself. I'm going to be uncomfortable so I can learn and grow. This is what we tell our daughter. She's seven years old. She's in first grade. We're like, honey, you got to have a growth mindset. Sometimes, like all kids, she gets really frustrated. She's drawing a picture and she's a perfectionist, uh, a little bit like her dad sometimes. And, and if, she, if she doesn't do it just right, she gets so frustrated. She's like, and we're like, babe, you, honey, you got to have a growth mindset. And sometimes she's like, Argh! she just looks at us. We're like, okay, all right, all right, right. We're like, we're like, honey, you can do this. You can push through the uncomfortableness of, of not knowing how to do it. It's going to be okay you're going to grow. You're going to learn. You know, you know what we've discovered, Carrie and I? <laughs> we discovered that we're, half the time we're just preaching to ourselves, right? We're just preaching to ourselves because we need this message more than anyone else in most cases, right? It can be hard. And I, I, I could use an amen after this. It can be hard to hear that we haven't arrived yet. Amen? <laughs> right? In fact, when we hear that we haven't arrived yet, that's a little bit of a blow to our ego. We don't like that. It doesn't feel good. Why? Because, you know, we spend half of our lives learning and growing, and then we think that we can get to a certain point in our life where we no longer have to grow anymore. We no longer have to, to learn. We, we, we kind of think that we should just know it all, or, or, or we should have ever arrived by that time, and it can be quite humiliating to not know something. But let me just tell you, how many of you know that learning requires humility? Learning requires humility. One of the reasons why starting Radiant Church was so daunting for me, was so overwhelming for me and my wife, was because we've never done it before. We never planted a church from the ground up. We had this vision in our head and this dream, and look what the Lord has done. Just to start off with a dream in our heart, God has been so faithful. But can I just tell you, it was so daunting. It still is daunting at times. It was so overwhelming. Why? Because ne I'd never done that before. So I remember over and over and over again, calling up Pastor Mike and Pastor Jeremy and different guys that I know, and I'm like, just having to eat humble pie over and over and over again, like, 
I don't know what I'm doing right now, <laughs> right? And they're like, hey, we'll help you out. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, right? But I had to humble myself, and I still have to humble myself. It takes humility. It takes humility for you to continue to learn and grow, whether that's the knowledge of the Bible or whether that's some sort of job skill that you need, right? It doesn't matter what it is. You need humility to continue to grow in ministry, to continue to grow in your knowledge of the Lord, to continue to grow as a Christian. You need humility. Here's what Peter says. And we should take notes from Peter because, after all, he was the one who, who preached this great sermon in Acts chapter 2. 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Leave that verse up for just a few moments, if you wouldn't mind. Humble yourselves, right? Jesus says something similar in the Gospel of Luke. He says this, he says, everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. And everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. Which do you want? Do you want to be exalted or do you want to be humbled by God? The choice is yours, right? The choice is yours. We can be humble. And if we're humble, listen, God will exalt us. And this is the point that Peter is trying to make, that a precursor for being exalted by God is humility. A precursor for being exalted by God is humility, but we first have to humble ourselves. You know what the greatest enemies of learning are? The greatest enemies are, of learning are this, are these fear and pride. Fear says this, I'm afraid of being exposed. I'm afraid that I'll be found out that I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Pride, on the other hand, says, you know what? I've already learned that. I don't need that anymore. That's beyond me. I, I'm, I'm better than that. I learned that back a couple years ago, and I no longer need that lesson. And God may be saying to some of you, oh, no, you didn't learn anything, actually. You need to be humbled. Humility is a precursor, right? If you want to be used by God, right, if you want to be used by God, let me just say, never take the postures of fear and pride. Never take those postures. To follow God is to put, your, put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable. It's to put yourself in a place where you don't know it all. It's to put yourself in a place where you don't know what the next step is, that you must lean on God, on his guidance, on his wisdom, on his counsel, that may be the next step for you is simply to lean into him. But you must first humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And here's my prayer for Radiant Church. My prayer for Radiant Church is that we would be a church full of teachers and full of students. Come on, someone. Full of teachers and full of students. People who came hungry to learn about the word of God. You know, this, this class I'm teaching Tuesday night for the women, my prayer is that there's like 50, 60 women in there, that you're not, you're not, hey, I've got to watch The Bachelor on Tuesday night, Pastor. I can't make it. You don't need to watch that treasure, right? It's not that good anyways. They all break up anyways, right? It's not a big deal, right? Some of you are like, they do? Oh, my God, right? <laughs> but that we'd be a learning church, a church humbled, ready to grow, ready to, to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
I call this being teachable. You know, I got to be teachable myself. I'm required to be teachable. And sometimes my ugly pride gets in the way, just like your ugly pride gets in the way. But I have to choose to be teachable. So a spirit-filled church is a learning church. And the second thing that we'll, we'll camp out and we'll finish here, they were a loving church. They were a loving church. Can I just tell you, according to the scripture, these people were always together. These people were always together. Because why? Because when you attend a church and you're part of that church, it's not just a building that you go to, it's a family that you belong to. Church is not just a building that you visit, it's a family that you belong to. And these first Christians were a loving church. They prayed together, they ate meals together, they, they worshiped together um, um, they took communion together. They were sharing things. They had all things in common is what the scripture tells us. You know what they were doing? They were working out what they were learning from the apostles. They were putting into practice what they had learned from the apostles. Isn't that amazing? Putting into practice. Why? Because loving and learning also go hand in hand. Loving and learning also go hand in hand. If you don't have a community to practice everything that you've been learning you run the risk of becoming a Pharisee. Knowing all these things with nowhere to practice them. What's a Pharisee? A Pharisee is full of pride, right? Religiosity is what we call it, right? This idea, I know so much. I know all this about the Bible. I'm looking down on all you Christians who don't know anything. And, uh, 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 there's, there's no perfect church for me. Every church is terrible. I, I can't find one church pastor, right? So it's like, oh, my goodness, right? The problem might be you, right? It might be you for real, though. I'm just keeping it real this morning. Some of you are like, does he always talk like this every Sunday? Every Sunday, yes, right? <laughs> so if your feelings get hurt, it'll be all right. You'll get over it. This is why community is so important, though, seriously. Because in community, this is the place where God is going to work in you. Love, joy, peace, <laughs> self-control, long-suffering. God is going to teach you how to love people who are different from you. Newsflash, right? It's easy to love people who look like us, think like us, vote like us, all those things. Talk like us. That's easy. It's not so easy to love people who are different from us. This is why we need the church, though, right? It's in relationship with others where God grows you the most. Let me say it like this, church. You can learn in rows, but you grow in circles, right? That is good. Yeah, I think so myself. <laughs> you can learn in rows, but you grow in circles, right? The idea of community. This is it. When you come to church, church I want you to learn, it, right? I encourage that. That, that is, that's, that's my heart. I want you to learn something. But you really start to see spiritual growth in circles. That is, when you come around other people, maybe you're serving together on a team here at Radiant Church Maybe you're in a small group. Maybe you, you, you come to our women's group. Women, ladies, you come to the women's group this Tuesday night. You get around some like-minded women, and you start to talk, and you start to talk about life and parenting and struggles and challenges, and then, and then you pray together, and then you encourage one another, and there's mutual encouragement and edification takes place, but that doesn't happen with you and your iPhone, okay? 
It happens with you in community, you in relationship with other people. Let me say this. Radiant Church, we're not a huge church. For some of you, maybe we seem like a huge church, but we're really not. We're not a huge church, but we're still big enough that you can slip in and slip out without ever having been noticed. Now, let me just say this. If you're newer to Radiant Church, I, I, I'll say this. I understand, and I, and I get it. You want to be under the radar. You don't want anyone to know your name. You don't want to have a face-to-face conversation to anyone. You're still trying to figure out if Jesus is just, if, is he a thing? Is he not a thing? What is this all about? Maybe you, you've been hurt by church, right? I, I've been there, been there, done that. And you're, you're coming back into church. And, and this season is a time of healing for you. Let me just say, I get that, and I understand that, all right? There is a season for that, and I went through that at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids in the same way that maybe you're going through that right now, okay? But let me just encourage you to not stay there. Let me just encourage you to not stay there. You can take a few months, and I, and I get that. But I want to encourage you not to stay there because here's what I believe. I believe a spirit-filled church is more than just something you attend. A spirit-filled church is more than just a good podcast that you listen to. A spirit-filled church is more than just a, a YouTube channel that you subscribe to. No, listen, a spirit-filled church is a community of believers that you belong to, that you do life with, right? That you literally do life with. It's a community that you live out what you're learning with other people who are like-minded. And I know there's a million things that we can disagree upon. I get it. There's a bazillion things. But you know what's greater than all of those things is Jesus at the top, right? So we center around Jesus. I know you have your opinions. I know, I know. But listen, listen, listen. None of that ultimately matters because all, every kingdom of this world will come to nothing anyways. And Jesus will rule and reign. He is the king. And his kingdom will come here on the earth as it is in heaven. That day is coming. It's coming. But it's in community. Listen, it's in community where, where we get rubbed the wrong way. It's in community that we have to learn patience. It's in community that we have to somehow learn how to love that brother. It's in community that we, we got to somehow learn how to do life with her even though she gets on my nerves because she always has an opinion on everything, right? we got to learn how to love others. And I know, listen, it's not easy. It takes effort. And let me just acknowledge this because I already know this is what you're thinking. Marco, it takes risk. Yes and amen. There is risk involved. There's risk of being hurt. I get that. But can I just say that the risk is worth it? It's beneficial ultimately for you. It's beneficial ultimately for you. We may not always appreciate our differences, but God uses them to grow us in his likeness, to mature us. Spirit-filled church, listen, is a learning church. Spirit-filled church is a loving church. We'll get to the rest next week. Three more that we'll cover next week. We're going to close our, our service this morning. I want to thank you for being here. If you're a visitor, thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. I want to pray with you and for you. And I simply want to just say this. If you don't know Jesus, well, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to know him in this moment.
I'm not inviting, I'm not inviting you to, to a religion. I'm not, I'm not inviting you to a cult, okay? Contrary to what you may see on TV or social media, I'm not inviting you to even church. I'm inviting you into a relationship. I'm inviting you to know God personally, not from a distance, but personally, through his son, Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and from then on there, sin has been the root of everything that's bad, everything that's wrong in our world, death, hatred, racism, right, anarchy, famine, war, everything that's wrong, sickness, disease, is ultimately a result of sin. But Jesus said that we can be forgiven of our sins. One day he will return to make all things right. He'll eradicate all sickness and disease. Death will be no more. But listen, you're only promised that kingdom if you trust in Jesus with your heart. Jesus with all of your life, with all of your beliefs, that you give everything you know to Jesus. And I simply want to invite you to that invite you to that today, invite you to know forgiveness, invite you to receive grace, invite you to know the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. I know that some of you may not think you even need it, and I get that. I'll still pray for you, that God would soften your heart. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray together, church. Every head bowed, if you wouldn't mind, every eye closed. God, we love you this morning. Lord, we believe upon your son, Jesus Christ. We believe that He's the way, the truth, and the life. God, we believe, God, that Jesus is the only Son of God. Today, we, we choose, God, to, to turn away from sin and to turn to your Son, Jesus Christ, who took our place on the cross, who received the just punishment for sin by dying in our place and shedding his blood. God, we thank you that because of Jesus, the price he paid that if we trust in him, God, we receive forgiveness of sins. We receive his love, his grace, his mercy. And so, God, we trust in Jesus this morning. God, we say forgive us of our sins. Give us a new heart. Give us a new life. We want to experience new life right now, right here, God. We want to follow you, God. We want to know you personally. So, Lord, would you do that right now all across this room? If you're here right now, listen, I want you to turn to Jesus. Under, under your breath, you can say this. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm following you today. Jesus, I trust you. And you can receive forgiveness of sins, God. God, we believe that you lived a sinless life. You died on the cross in our place. And three days later, you were raised from the grave. And now you sit at the right hand of God. And one day, you will return for us. And we believe in you. We thank you for the gift of new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands for the work that God is doing.